Hello and welcome to the Liverpool Way podcast. The Reds made it six wins on the bounce with a 1-0 win against a resolute Brentford side and the best efforts of a Baldy Mancunian referee. While a coronation in London was foisted upon a vocally resistant Anfield crowd, it was the Egyptian king who settled this one with a first-half goal. Long may he reign. The win closes the gap on fourth place to just one point and puts pressure on Man United to actually win those games in hand. Maybe the Champions League chase isn't quite over yet. I'm Chris Smith and I'm joined by TLW editor Dave Usher and John Gallagher, both of whom might be a little hoarse from those national anthem shenanigans. Dave, the second 1-0 home win in four days, some more tactical tweets, milestones for Alisson and Salah and that preposterous situation with the coronation. Where do you want to start? Uh, yeah, we'll start at the beginning with the uh, with, with the national anthem farce. Uh, I had a little boo, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't, wasn't going mad or anything, but I had a little bit of a boo and then... Uh, it was mostly just singing after that. I had to prompt John because John wasn't booing. I was like, John, what are you doing? And give me a little nudge. And then John threw his head back and he was like that, um, you know, like the, 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 Everton, <laughs> the, goose. the Everton goose. Yeah. <laughs> he was like that, fucking boo. <laughs> so, yeah, we had, we had a laugh at that. And then um, obviously throughout the game, there was like various chants and that from the cop. Uh, no doubt we'll get all kinds of shit from that. But... I couldn't care less to be honest. It was like mm-hmm. I, I don't think anything that was that happened today was in any way out of order. I think it was inevitable. Uh, should never have been put in that position. I don't know what the Premier League are thinking. Well, I, I suspect what it is because they insisted on playing games on the day of the coronation. Um, they've wanted to make some kind of a gesture to placate the royal family and all like the flag shaggers. So it's like, well, yeah, we've got to go ahead with the games but we'll have the national anthem played so everybody can pledge their allegiance and you know show respect and all that but it was never going to go well at Anfield they knew it wouldn't they put pressure on the club now you can argue that the club should have just said we're not playing it but it was like uh, strongly suggested that they should do it they're in one of those situations where like whatever they decide it's it's going to be wrong in the eyes of some uh, they chose to go ahead with it. The fans made the feelings clear, and no doubt we'll we'll be subjected to a load of absolute shite from dickheads all around the country. But equally, there'll be loads of people around the country saying "good on you," but we probably won't hear from them. You know, mm-hmm. there's, it's always like the knobheads that you hear from. There'll be loads of people who've seen what's happened there and just gone, "yeah, good for them." But we won't hear about that. So you know, I don't think we should pay too much attention to. Uh, the dickheads on Twitter, which have seen loads of it already, and no doubt throughout the week it'll get worse. But yeah, I just feel like that was inevitable today, and I thought like the fans handled themselves well. Uh, as yeah. for the game, really, really difficult game. Um, I thought we started well, but we just got bogged down by like a referee that was just giving free kicks constantly. The gate, the flow of the game, just. But there was no flow. There was early on, and then once the referee started with the free kicks, and Brentford were taking an age over every set piece they had, and they had a lot of set pieces, free kicks, throw-ins, corners. Um, it, we just couldn't get going. We couldn't get any kind of rhythm going in the first half. Second half wasn't quite as stop-start as, as the first, but again, it was difficult to really get any kind of like flow to our play. Um we didn't really create that much. It wasn't particularly fluent. We, we didn't play great, but I do think we defended really well. I can't really remember them doing too much, especially considering the amount of set pieces they had. don't think Allison's really had to do anything. They had the goal mm-hmm. disallowed, which I'm sure we'll talk about. Like Me and John thought that was onside at the time. Obviously, it's not, but 
Uh, that was like it's not uh, much in it though. Yeah, it was it's a, like it's fractions. We, we thought that Virgil just got caught on the wrong side and just got dumb. We thought, oh, that's not good. But apparently, like he stepped up just at the last minute and and he, he's caught him off. But I haven't seen it back yet. But yeah, it was a close yeah, it's one. Very very close. Yeah. Other than that, I don't think they threatened really, despite having like a fair bit of the ball, lots of set pieces, lots of balls played into the box. I think we stood up to it really well. It was a good defensive performance today. Um, not vintage, but it's another win. We're not we're not flying at the moment. We're not playing great, but we're getting wins, which is what's been lacking throughout the season. Yeah. You know, if we weren't playing well, we weren't getting points. It was as simple as that. Whereas now, right. at least we're winning. And it's a bit backbone said, there now, isn't there? Yeah, there is. Yeah, we're you know. much more resilient. The pressing's really good. The work off the ball all season. Like the the big thing was we kept saying how easy to play against we are. Well, we're not easy to play against now. I'm not saying we're anywhere near back to what we were, but we're not a soft touch. We're not easy to play against. We're making it difficult for teams. You know, we're still hunting in packs. There was a spell in the second half and like we weren't. We, we were. I wouldn't say we were on top because it, no one was on top. It was just a scrappy game. But any time like Brentford looked like they were trying to get a bit of pressure on us, you'd see like we'd have like two or three players pressing the ball and then it gets played out and then another two or three go and you think that's what's been lacking all season and it's there now. And what that mm-hmm. what that does, it reduces the amount of chances that Allison's having to deal with because they just weren't able to to, to create too much. So I think defensively we're definitely um, getting better today. The back four were, were, were good, but solid. Two centre backs, really strong against difficult opposition, and a referee that was penalising them for everything. So I thought they came through it well. But it's been noticeable during this run. I don't think the back four's always been solid, but the work off the ball, like over throughout the rest of the pitch, has been pretty good. And I thought that carried on today. You know, so there's there's definitely things to take from it. Good stuff. Um, John, I just want to stick with the, the the anthem business for for a little while. You're really good at articulating your thoughts on on the establishment and the government and whatever. Like they set us up to fail today, there haven't they? It feels like it was deliberate. Like this date has been known for months. It was known there was going to have to be some kind of recognition of it. Yet they chose to put it on on the Sunday evening when people had finished watching the coronation. It almost feels like we've absolutely been stitched up here, knowing that this is the reaction. How do you view it? Yeah, I mean, you look at the, you know, it's a bank holiday weekend, obviously, because of that thing going on, uh, the coronations. But, you know, I don't know why they couldn't have had the games tomorrow and Monday. Um, you know, with the, with well, we know why, but it's it doesn't make it any easier to take that. You know, we could have had, like, been playing tomorrow and it would have been, like, a moot point, really. But, as you say, it was, like, a bit of a stitch-up job in that respect. But... Mm-hmm. I'm, you know, I'm really happy with, because you look at it today, what's been going on in London, I've seen, like, people being, like, arrested for having banners, like, not my king or whatever, so I'm actually glad that we were given that opportunity in a roundabout way today as well to, Mm. you know, we're in the comfort of our, our own stadium, you can't get arrested for booing in a stadium, so in that way, it's like... I was if it was quite empowering, if that makes sense. To um, be fair, John, yeah, there's not enough room in the jails for all the Everton fans that'll be locked up if uh, that was the case. <laughs> well yeah, well long may that continue, if nothing else, at least till the end of the season anyway, definitely. But uh They'll yeah, be mandatorily so throwing themselves in there next season so they don't have to go to the games. <laughs> yeah, sorry, go ahead. Oh, oh, yeah, sorry, Chris. Yeah. So 
I was actually glad that we had that opportunity because obviously, you know, within a show called Democracy, and then you're seeing people being arrested um, for having the democratic rights sort of taken away from them today by being allowed to protest. Um, so, you know, in the comfort of your own 54,000-seater stadium, um, it was, as I say, quite empowering, you know, fair play to the to the fans who, um, you know, who were well up for it and took part in it, you know, it was, and some of the songs which we'll get onto later, no doubt, were, uh, <laughs> you know, really amusing to say the least. But uh, I mean, uh, it just annoys you what Dave's going on with the Twitter situation. Just all these like, you know, seeing Piers Morgan, surprise, oh, surprise, yes. calling us pathetic and all that kinds of stuff. But I mean, I just find it incredible that people are more triggered by that by Liverpool fans doing what they've done today than an actual nonce being given £12 million um, you know, to get off. An alleged, an alleged actual nonce. Okay, all right, yeah, sorry. Well, yeah, okay, alleged actual nonce. Not that the cop agree with you there, <laughs> Chris, but yeah. We're going to keep, with each other. keep actual. In there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah um, <laughs> <laughs> but either way, we was given twelve million pounds, um, you know, for that case to go away, shall we say? But it, that you know, that's just been like totally swept under the carpet. You know, people are more triggered by that than people living in poverty. Um, and I, I just the actual priorities of people are just absolutely like skewed, aren't they? Yeah. Beyond belief. It's and warped. Yeah, I know. It's absolutely warped. So um, yeah, it was uh, it was quite a like surreal moments here in the national anthem being played in Anfield for a start but yeah fair play to the fans um it was absolutely it was really loud you know it was more i knew it'd be loud but it was like it was a lot louder than even i thought it would be obviously there was like liverpool chance in in there as well um you know so, so yeah com- was, compare it to say um compare it john to say like when a Europe, big European game kicks off at Anfield and the opposition are knocking the ball around in their own back four, mm. compared well, to Man that United, kind of just say, say Man United yeah, yeah. come, yeah, it's like you know, it was always booing, and it was, it was, it was like that magnified by by what five ten decibels. I'd say it was, yes. uh, yeah, it was really we, good. We yeah. couldn't actually hear it, could we? we no, couldn't, couldn't no, couldn't hear, hear it. Yeah, I also yeah. wonder if part of that is George has played it at like the lowest level he could get away with. I do know George because I've seen his Twitter account in the past, and I know he is a royalist. I think he, you know, I've seen him like, um, you know, going on about the Queen and his tweets in the past. So whether that was like down to instructions from the club, I don't know. But um, yeah, either way, it was you know, it was either turned down low and the booze were really loud. Um, but yeah, it was it was just really empowering to to hear. Yeah, that's a really good point, John. Um, it was funny when they, I was watching on TV, obviously, and, and you couldn't really hear um, the anthem being played at all. They cut to Hendo, who was sort of mouthing along. They cut to Trent, who wasn't. And Robbo just had his head down, pointing at the floor. I, I'd imagine he smirking. was just like desperately, yeah, desperately <laughs> trying not to smirk at the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but I, I had to laugh at Trent because he's got that nervous thing where he licks his lips, hasn't he? And uh, I seen like the footage back, and he's just doing that like licking his lips thing that that he does when he gets interviewed. This must be like a yeah. nervous thing that he's got. I don't know whether that was part of it with him or not. You know, I don't know, but it was just you know quite amusing to see it back. Trent never sings the anthem now at England games. No. He always gets shit for it, and. Mm. Um, at the, the the last the last international break and Curtis was playing for the under twenty ones. Uh, apparently 
I remember reading like that Curtis was getting shit off like England fans because he didn't sing it, and he was he was next to Anthony Gordon in in the lineup, and Anthony Gordon wasn't singing it either. So yeah, it's definitely like a, a scouse thing. Like uh, they just weren't singing the anthem. So I'm not surprised Trent wasn't singing today. I'm not surprised Hendo was, to be fair. Yeah. yeah, well, my missus had a go at her. She was saying, why was Henderson singing it? And I was like, well, that's his <laughs> democratic right. That's the whole point. I mean, if he wants to sing it, that's up to him. I'm not going to yeah. think any less of him for it kind of thing. So, right. and she said, oh, you know, he's got to remember who, who he plays for and that. But I said, you know, he's grew up in the North East. You know, he's an England regular or whatever. So I'm not really yeah. that any, bothered by Hendo singing it. Sing it. Yeah. It's fine. That's if you it, want yeah. to sing it, sing it. Yeah. No problem. Just because, like, yeah. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to say, like, like nobody else should. Else, yeah. it's, it's yeah. And that's the whole point why all these dickheads who are having a go, well, no, it's it's your choice if you want to sing it or not. Yeah. I'm, I'm not going to have a go at but someone singing it. It's always the free speech brigade, brigade, like Piers Morgan, people like that, who yeah. are always going on about cancel culture for speaking your mind. Like, they're the ones who are the most pissed off about it, always. Yeah. Like, it's kind of like, oh... When, when they're campaigning for free speech constantly, but when somebody actually does it on a point they don't agree with it, they're calling for us to be banned from stadiums yeah. and have points deducted yeah. and all this fucking ludicrousness. But for me personally, it was just like one of those days where I was proud of my association with the club and the city. Um, just like that, that level of resistance and resilience against this onslaught, the flag shagging, I think it was a great example to set to everybody. And Dave... Your cousin Tom Ross, who used to write for the fanzine years ago, we should get him on here one day because it'd be fucking hilarious if he came on because he's he's yeah. really funny. But he always says like, um, take any situation, examine Liverpool's reaction to it as a city, and there you have your correct reaction. Yeah. So I think you know that he, he's absolutely right with that, and he's and he's absolutely right in this example. But um, should we move on to the game a little bit then, guys? Like, because we've we've spent a, a little bit of time covering this now. Um, so yeah, we, we started quite brightly, um, some good early pressure. We were a little bit sort of um, set back by that early booking to Verge in the fourth minute where he kind of lunged into that into, into that challenge and it was a very un-Verge-like challenge and then yeah. that almost came back mm. to bite us sort of like later in the half with that tight offside call where Moembo scored and obviously Verge couldn't touch him, couldn't go anywhere near him. No. And um, yeah, I think we thought we did quite well with him on a booking and then Canate on a booking against those two physical centre forwards going on later in the game that could have you know we could have easily put a foot out of play especially with that referee um, but yeah what did you make of the start of the game? Yeah I think like the last couple of well the last three games even against Fulham midweek you know we, we start home games bright all the time I mean we've still got our flaws but yeah you know we always start off with a good tempo um you know generally if fizzes out at some point and you know definitely early in the season that was a case when nothing has happened for like half hour or so you just go through lulls in games because we've not got that you know mojo that we had you know for the past few seasons but yeah it was a really bright start i mean virgil's booking i was like it's it was a bit of a surprise i think that's the first time i've ever actually seen those slide tackling what five mm. years he's been here so it was quite a bit unnerving to see that especially so early in the game i mean i know he has a hard time at, at brentford didn't he um the, you know the game's just around new year's day or whatever it was when we when we lost and i think he got subbed at half time and he was injured and that but um yeah maybe it was just a little bit sort of rattled from that i don't know but um 
Yeah, but you know, it's a good goal we scored. You know, it's good, good. Um, you know, knocked back by Virgil, and uh, I haven't. Did the keeper get his hand to it and it went in the roof of the net or something? Because I've not seen so it back. He didn't really get a hand to it. Like Mo, sort of like took two touches. Like yeah. he sort of like he knocked it towards the goal and then he bundled it in again after that. Right. Okay. Yeah, but I don't. It was a well. You know, it was a well worked goal because Mo started it off, didn't he? Um, mm-hmm. And then you you know Virgil nods it back and you know Mo obviously must have sprinted back you know in, into the box and that so it was a really well well uh, good team goal and that so um, but as Dave said earlier it just seems to fizzle out down to you know don't even blame us for that it was like Brentford um, I was very disappointed with Brentford because you, you know they get a lot of plaudits that's some fair play to them you know they've had a good season they've got their own like unique like style of play and identity and that fair play you know I'm not going to be some like uh, connoisseur of football telling teams how they shouldn't shouldn't play um, but you know they're safe in mid-table um, and uh, it, it was like they were in like the relegation like a relegation battle you know when like hmm. you, you know they're taking ages, taking like you know throw-ins and free kicks and all that. Players are going down injured. I'd understand it if we were like still shit off the way we have been the past few years, but we're not that team. So, you know, I was very disappointed from you know with them from that aspect of things. And uh, you know they got what they deserved in the end, which was absolutely nothing. Yeah, it was ironic that the only player booked for time wasting in that game was Alisson. Yeah. <laughs> well, and even like, that was on, like man. ten. It was the second time Alisson did that in the game. Probably and the normally, second time in his life, John. It's second just time, yeah. To do. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, you know, it's and normally it's only like the eighty-eighth minute a keeper will get booked for that in general yeah. if they've done it five times in a game, but Alisson does it twice what and it was like was it 75th minute or something like that was it he got booked um it's mm-hmm. like but that sums up um mr taylor's display overall doesn't Nick it pope does that a dozen times a game mm. yeah. they, they pretend to take the short goal kick and then they go oh no we can't because they're on the edge of the box i'll wave you up and we'll go long and they know full well they're going to kick it long the, the entire time but they always like pretend with the short one and then they go long, and referees just let them do it until, like, as John said, the 88th minute, and then they get the card out. But Taylor was just doing everything he could, just little things, just to send out the message, like, you know, yeah, you don't fucking come after us because we're in charge, this is what happens to you. And, like, the, the booking for Alisson, just, it's not something that anybody will comment on and say, what's he doing? Because it's just little subtle things all the way through the game. Yeah. Nothing that anyone's going to highlight on the telly and say what a terrible performance by the referee because he didn't do any of the big calls. He, he, he didn't really have many big calls to make, but he wouldn't have screwed us on the big calls. It's all these little ones to just let you know. It's just sending out the message. You know, you go after one bald man ref last week, they wheel out right. another bald man ref off the production line, and he, he's yeah. sticking up for his mate. And Klopp can't say a word. He's got to just eat shit on the touchline yeah. and not really say anything. While all these little decisions, just one after another, they're all going against us. And everyone knows exactly what's going on, but nobody can do anything about it. Klopp can't say right. anything. And it comes to a head late on. Probably wouldn't have um, seen this on the telly, but it, it happened like right in front of me and John. So it's when one of their players runs into Canate and then he goes down and it, it came after like a couple of other decisions in the, the previous couple of minutes so everyone's like up in arms anyway and he gives them a free kick for that 
and Pete Kravitz just threw his clipboards up in the air <laughs> and all his papers Pace just like, run everywhere. blew off down the touchline <laughs> and they like landed next to the fourth official uh, or the linesman, sorry. And he had, to, he had to just go and like, do the walk of shame, like to go and pick up all his papers that had come off his clipboard. But when Pete Kravitz is losing his shit, like the, the quiet man you just never see. I mean, okay, yeah. you know, Pep Linders is like a busy little bastard bouncing around on the line and like, getting in the faces of the other team's coaches and stuff. Pete Kravitz just doesn't say a word. He just sits there with his notes. But even he threw his clipboard up in the air because they knew what was going on. But there's nothing you can do about it. And you can't complain about it afterwards because you're already no. in trouble from last week. By the balls. Yeah, they have. It's not a battle that you can win. And, you know, the, the yeah. way Klopp handled it last week wasn't the smart way to do it. And, we, you know, we we were. I wouldn't say we paid the price today because we won the game, but a message was definitely sent. And I hope that that's it now. It's like just reminding them this is what happens. And I hope right. it's not just going to carry on. I hope they've made the point and, and like, that's it now. But. I mean, well, it's good because the season's coming to an end, so yeah. that, you know that should be the end of it. But I guess, I guess, like, I mean, whoever's cleaning up Anfield tonight might walk around and find a little piece of paper from Pete Kravitz that says, "Bring Darwin off after an hour. Bring Milner on with ten minutes to go." Yeah. That's all it says on it. <laughs> but yeah. um, you, you know, you, you, you're in this situation, John. You're completely damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Right? If if you don't complain about it, you accept that you're getting fucked. If you do complain about it, you get double fucked the week after. And I suppose the caveat to that is there are ways of handling this and Klopp didn't handle it well, to say the least. He acknowledges that. But uh, just why we have to fight these battles all the time, it's just beyond me, man. Yeah, well, you know, football's an emotional sport, as we know, and obviously... Klopp, it's a bigger. It was a bigger picture with Paul Tierney, wasn't it? I mean, I'm, Dave, mm-hmm. anyone will tell you, I'm not one who, like, castigates referees, like... Readily, no. if you know what I mean, it's like you know, it's got to be a. Ah, come on, John! I saw a tweet from you in response to David Ellery, and he was asking <laughs> why. It was asking why a penalty uh, g- no, he'd given to us in Old Trafford. Keith Hackett, Hackett, yeah, yeah. in 1994. So you're holding 25 years, right? No, I've not 30 years nearly, mate. Yeah, but that's like, he actually gave the penalty and changed his mind. And to this day, the referee was 70 yards away. The linesman was 70 yards away. And he he overruled it on on his flag. And uh, Keith Hackett was like 30 yards away and gave the penalty. I think it was a foul on Michael Thomas, I think. And uh, yeah, but you know, I'm just gone a bit off. <laughs> don't say you think, you know. Yeah, you know, John. You don't make yeah, mistakes and stuff like that. Yeah. I got no idea what 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 incident you're referring to, but I'll take your but, word for it. But John, well, what, continue. You're not one to castigate referees. He's not. Continue. To be fair, yeah. he's not. I mean, other than like Keith Hackett from like a mistake from 30 years ago. To be fair, it's usually like I'll be moaning about refs, and John very rarely goes down that okay. road. But one a, a stat I did see on Twitter after the game, which was uh, which sums up Anthony Taylor's performance, was uh, he gave 19 fouls yeah. against Liverpool today, which was like the th- uh, I think it was Klopp's third game in charge. I read um, that's like you know the most fouls that we've had given against us. Uh, you know, in what how long's Klopp been here? Eight years. Um, so that. And it wasn't like a dirty game, you know, it wasn't like, no. you know, so that's that sums it up, you know, little niggly fouls are just getting blown up by, by Taylor all the time. It was really, like, frustrating, but, you know, that's, um, you know, the referees' union coming into play there has already been touched on kind of thing, um, but, 
as you've said, Chris, hopefully that'll be the lines drawn under it. Now, we won the game, um, and obviously there was no major decisions which uh, you know Taylor had to make which affected it, mm. thankfully, because I think we would have known which way it would have gone otherwise. Um, so, yeah, uh, hopefully that's the end of that, and you know we can just move forward and you know get on with it from there. Yeah, I'm just checking this now, but I think they said it on the TV coverage and the, the fact that, yeah, it was. Um, that was the first game of ours that Taylor had refereed since the City game in October where we beat them, mm. where there was a big fucking massive kickoff about what happened there as well and, and Jürgen was going at the linesman. So I don't think that was a coincidence he either that he off. was appointed for this he game. Yeah, off, yeah, yeah. Right, so it's like, you know, like... Perhaps that was for the foul on Mo, wasn't it? When, yeah. when Mo got fouled, yeah. wasn't it? On Bernardo Silva, the line, the right in front of the linesman. Yeah. So they, they appointed a referee with a record of being strong with Klopp in response to him like not getting sent off last week when Tierney had told him that was a red for me. So, you know, it's all... It's all it's not exactly clandestine, is it? It's out there in the open. You know what's mm. going on. and. Anyway, and um, with a record of being bald and Mancunian as well. <laughs> What's not Off a production that? line like Chucky dolls yeah. from Charles Play. <laughs> they're like those Russian dolls, aren't they? Yeah. You just yeah, like they you yeah. move one and say, "Oh, there's another one. Oh, yeah, another one." It's just next week. Who are we going to get next week? It'll be the other one. I've forgotten his name now, but yeah, it'll be another bald Minecraft. Might be Tierney again, actually. Yeah, <laughs> Wouldn't be a shock, would it? <laughs> I saw a tweet, uh, I think it was from um, Neil Atkinson, and it said, uh, Anthony Taylor is behaving in a very bald and Mancunian manner today. Yeah. <laughs> Which is, you know, bang on, really. Yeah. Um, so back it's to the game, that then. That Anthony Taylor's a royalist. That It's one or the oh. other. If it's a, yeah, if it's, never thought it, of that. If it's not a, you know, the whole referees union thing looking after each other, he's definitely a royalist. It's yeah. got to be one or the other, hasn't it? Yeah, he was out to fuck us one way or another. Yeah. Hard luck, man. Um, so anyway, back to the game. I thought we were going to kind of build on the lead um, after getting ahead quite early. We had uh, Jota charging through. On, I thought Jota was great today, by the way. Um, Jota charging through on a goal. He's blocked off. And then Trent played. It would have been the assist of the season, probably. That little sandwich through to Darwin, who just completely yeah. fucking fucked it up again, Dave. Like... <laughs> <laughs> got it caught between his feet didn't know whether to go with his left or his right went with neither missed the ball completely just go with your fucking left foot the, the foot that you generally kick the ball with right just fucking he's not playing he on instinct there? it's just confidence isn't it he's not, not doing anything mm. instinctive anymore start of the season it was like everything was like without thinking he just like just lash at it and you know everything was like just he just react to it, whereas now he's like stopping and thinking, and you can see he's just not playing with confidence. That was I don't even know what happened. I didn't even know if he made contact with it. He just made like a complete yeah. Yeah. pig's ass of it, and that was probably like the only real attempt he had the whole time he was on. Which is not like him because the one thing he, he was doing, he was just always getting shots away and getting the chances. But I, I was I was really like pleased to see what we did today. You know when we put all four of them out. Yeah, because you said it on, yeah, in midweek, right? It, McGakpo playing, playing deeper, on. Darwin like stretching the defence in behind. I think it's something we should stick with. You know, it's it's not worked great today, but I do think it's something like that we need to look at, and because we've we've got to try and find a way of of getting the best out of him. And you know, I do think that that works, like Gakpo coming deep. But Gakpo today, he he must have played like about four different positions. 
Because at yeah. one point, like it started off, and I thought he's just going to play like as a, as a ten, just playing behind Darwin. But he's got license to just go wherever, and he'll come back and help out defensively. Spent a fair bit of time over on the right because obviously we're short-handed there when Trent in the middle. But then there was a spell in the second half, and it just looked like he was playing in Hendo's position. You know, like that right. The, the, that right-hand side midfield mm-hmm. spot. It looked like that's where he was up playing. Right back sometimes as well. Yeah. Like you'd see him, you'd see him all the way back there, which is what Hendo tends to do in yeah. those, in those circumstances. So I do think he, he played different positions during the game. Um, I didn't think he had a had a particularly good game either. But I mean, <laughs> it's a tough game for most players. I I didn't think Jota was as as good as you seem to think. I thought he was he was all right. I thought Mo was the the pick of the forwards. Like he was the one yeah. who I always thought would do something. Oh, definitely. Um, but it was just a, a difficult game for us. We just never really, we just weren't fluent at all. But Darwin wasn't good. I can't pretend he was. Um, very difficult game for him. Again, he he got shifted out to the left. As soon as he got shifted out to the left, I said to John, they're just, um, you know, they're just preparing for the substitution. He had to like stick him out on the left, <laughs> and then he comes off, right. and Diaz just goes on the left. Whereas if he's in the middle. Then like he comes off, then there's like a reshuffle. It's like no, no, just we'll get Darwin out there for ten minutes, and then we can just bring Diaz on. Um, so that was like an obvious change to make. I'm not I'm not disputing it, but I did say to John, I'd like to see him kept on because I feel like we need to get him going. You know, we need to do yeah. something to just stick with him and and just hope that like something goes his way. And then you know, once he gets a goal under his belt again, he can relax a little bit and. Um, I just think like there's no point. It's counterproductive, like not picking him or taking him off all the time. I think like we're building for next season. I mean, I'm saying that, but the doors kind of being opened a little bit for top four now, so that might change things. But if United beat beat West Ham, I think that probably that ends yeah. it. That's the game. That's the pivotal game, really. You know, if if they get beat right. by West Ham, they'll start to get nervous. Right. They you might know. even if they draw it. You know, yeah. If they but, draw both of those games in hand, we're still only with three points behind with three games to play, and that then it's wide open. They need like they've got five games left, and they need to win three if we win all our games, don't they? Yeah. So yeah. if they were to get beat by West Ham, they would then have to win three out of the last four, which suddenly becomes mm-hmm. much more of a like a difficult proposition. It's not that the fixtures are like dead hard. But the thing with United, they're not great. They're capable of getting beat by anybody. It's not like yeah. you know it'd be a massive shock if they, if they lost to Wolves or something. You know, it's it, it, they're well capable of. They've got that in them to lose those games. I'm not saying they will because they've also got it in them to win them, obviously. But it's not a foregone conclusion, and I think it, a lot of it really hinges on this West Ham game. If they lose to West yeah. Ham, it's going to get edgy for them. And it does open the door for us, but I think if they win against West Ham, they've got so much like breathing space. Then I think they'll they'll probably hold on. But um, yeah, if if they beat West Ham, it's kind of like top four's probably gone. And again, I think we should be looking to just picking a team with an eye on what we're going to do in the future. So I, I like that today. I thought it was something different. It was worth looking at. Didn't particularly work, but we've not worked on it in training that long, have we? You know, maybe like. They've worked on it like well, we had a game in midweek, so they've probably had like one, maybe not well, not even two, one training session with that setup. So right. I, I would like to see them stick with it for a bit and see how we do. Um, I suppose in some ways though, it just comes down to the opposition and how they play and what we feel like we can do tactically. And you know, there's a lot of stuff that goes into it that we we've got no idea. So mm. I don't know. I just I just think that we need to get Darwin firing again, just because um, it's been a bit of a slog for him of late. John, a couple of questions for you. 
Like number one, um, what did you make uh, of Gakpo, Gak, Gakpo dropping into that sort of midfield role, hybrid ten, whatever it was today? And I know we're in a period of the season where we're experimenting with the lineup and seeing what works and what doesn't with a view onto next season. But should it really be this hard to integrate a 60, 70, 80, whatever we paid for a million pound forward? Like, it just seems like this is just such fucking hard work. Why do we have to work so hard to get him firing? Yeah, well, first off on Gakpo, um, I thought he showed some nice things. You know, he's got this way of, like, you know, riding, like, challenges on the half turn and that. Um, you know, it seemed like there was a lot of space in the midfield area today because Brentford had three centre-backs, uh, so there was opportunities mm. there. But overall, I think the game sort of passed them by a little bit. You know, he wasn't involved too much. When he had, when he went off front um, later on the game, he had that shot. Uh, you know, just went wide and you know, in the second half and that. But yeah, generally, you know, you can see he's like a nice football. He's a good football. You know, he's got a bit of. Um, like you know, a lot of intelligence about his game and that, um, but there's games where I see him where I'm just like, you know, it's just he's got like that languid style about him sometimes. I think, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, um, you, you know, it's definitely more to come from him. You know, all being well, um, hopefully a good pre-season. You know, he's not come come into a firing team and that. You know, and he's had, he has had some good games and scored some really good goals as well. Um, but yeah, today was a game where I, I think it was neither here nor there from him kind of thing, you know, but he has got this like thing that I like where he can just like shrug a challenge off, you know, when he's got the ball in the half turn and that. Um, mm-hmm. Regarding Darwin, uh, I, if Darwin would have started like the way he's finishing the season, if it had been like arse about face, um, you know, I'd be less concerned than what I am. Um, but it's the fact that he's... You know he's tailed off a you know a fair bit compared to how he started the season. Um, you know I know he had the red cards early on that, and he was banned for three games, but he had a, like a good spell then. Uh, just you before know, the was, World Cup, wasn't it? Just before he, the World Cup and that, yeah. As Dave said, it's like you know he was hitting things early, and that it's been a couple of times in the last couple of games, and it was like you know you can see he's lacking confidence, and when he's got a bit of time to think about things, you you know he just looks so awkward looking and un- un- ungainly kind of thing. But um, early in the season, he was getting snapshots where he was you know he was getting all these like mad volleys from like ridiculous angles, and you know hitting the bar and keepers were making great saves. I remember one from Pickford in the Goodison yeah. Derby, I think it was. Yeah. He tipped onto the bar and I think there was one against West Ham in the midweek game where he was I thought he was unplayable that night he was fucking hell you know, yeah. he looks absolutely brilliant um, but as the season's gone on it's sort of you know it's tailed off but the team's winning games now so you're thinking you know early in the season the team was struggling a lot but you know he's played his best football at that time so yeah so it is a conundrum and a, you know long term it'll be interesting you know how it goes into next season Um Hopefully he'll really gain Klopp's trust and uh, you know become an integral part of the team. But that remains to be seen at the moment. You can subscribe to the Liverpool Way podcast on all the major platforms, whether it's Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon or Podbean. Just search for the Liverpool Way, leave us a review and hit subscribe to automatically receive all new episodes. You can also head to liverpoolway.co.uk and grab a TLW season ticket for just £3 a month. 
There's tons of exclusive content, including match reports from every Liverpool game, weekly Premier League roundups, the TLW diary, and access to the members-only forum. Lastly, you can follow us on social media at the Liverpool Way on Twitter and at the Liverpool Way TLW on Instagram and Facebook. For me, I think what concerns me is that the lengths that we're having to go to to try and incorporate him and to try and get him firing, for instance, like moving Gakpo out of a position where he's really started to look, for my opinion, started to look the part in recent weeks as a as a natural replacement for Bobby. I would be wanting to get him as much game time as possible in that position, working those patterns of play. Um, you know, I've really liked what I've seen from him. I agree with you in terms of his um, his stature as a footballer. He, he seems to me like a real modern footballer in that he's got pace and he has a little power and, um, gr- you know, great touch, intelligence. Uh, I have really, really super high hopes for him moving forward into the next season. I think he could be really, really, really top class for us. Um, but it, I think he, he could nail that position down. Obviously, we're going to rotate as well. But on the left, I'm just seeing that it's got to be Diaz. And I, I kind of want to see a little bit more of him in these last few games, um, just to round off what's been a pretty horrendous year for him. Started the season well for us. And then the bad injury at Arsenal, coupled by the training camp shenanigans, whatever went on there where it felt like he was going to be coming back after the World Cup and then somehow got injured again or aggravated it during that World Cup break in the training camp and we, we, we didn't see him for a further three months after that so the second injury was actually worse than the first injury mm-hmm. um, I'd just like to see a little bit more of him and then Jota's come back into form as well I know you didn't think he had a great game today but I thought he was sort of like really busy, busy yeah he was busy and did everything yeah. did everything at, at speed um, got around the field really well. It looks like he's got his full fitness back again now. Didn't really have that many looks at goal or or any that I can remember. But Nunes is just he's just the odd man out right now. And it, it David it just shouldn't be this hard. No, but it obviously is, isn't it? You know, it shouldn't be. And it's, as John was saying, you know, he was doing pretty well, and it's just all gone. It's just all gone wrong. Like recently, for some reasons beyond his control, he's not done himself any favors with some of his performances as well. But I do think a lot of it comes down to uh, the role that he's being asked to play, whether it suits him or not. And I just think they've got to work it out. He's got to adapt to a certain extent to what we're doing, and we've got to adapt a bit to him. And it's all right saying like, "Oh, we shouldn't adapt to him," but we spent a fucking hell of a lot of money on him, you know. So there's, you, you've got to. There's obviously a plan there, which you know they've moved away from. We'll figure it out. You know, he's there's clearly talent there. He's he's a threat. He can cause absolute like mayhem for opposing defenses with his pace, his power, his like shoot on sight policy. He's got a lot going for him. You know, he he scores headers. Um, I just think you've got to figure it out, find a way to to integrate him with the other players and get it working. And it's also it like it was just when I was walking out to the ground. A couple of lads were talking, and like they were talking about Darwin, and I'd not really checked up on this. It may or may not be true, but they were saying like wherever he's been, his first season he struggled, and then he's just exploded. Like second season there, so the team he was at before Benfica, it wasn't great. Then he had like a great season. Then Benfica brought him in. First season wasn't great. Then we saw what he done in his last season there and you know Mm -hmm. I don't think he's had a bad season he's scored like 15 goals he's not been shit or anything but you just see there's like well there's got to be a lot more to come 
Uh, it's sure. just whether we can bring it out of them, you know, or and if we can't, if it's like, look, we've moved on, we're, we're not. The, the plan was this, now it's this, and you don't really fit into this now. So I'm sorry. If that's the case, well then they have to move them on and go in a different direction. I just don't think that's how they'll they'll operate. And I did see something the other day, which it it could be bollocks. It could be like just you know, um, putting it out there, like propaganda-wise after the event, whatever. It was like that Klopp and Linders always felt he was a long-term project and they're happy with what, what, what they've seen so far and they're looking forward to working with him and evolving his game, and, you know, um, just like integrating him into what they want to do and it requires patience. Now, I just don't know if that's the case because it was a lot of money that we spent on him. I feel like would you spend that much money on a project, or did they think he was going mm-hmm. to be better? I, I don't know. We'll never know because it's not effectively. Like the... It's cost us. It might have cost us Jude Bellingham signing him for that much money. Uh, no, I don't go along with that because I think no? that the money's there to sign Bellingham, and they're just choosing to go in another direction. I don't think okay. signing Darwin. I mean, you could say the same thing about Gakpo. I suppose you know, the money we spent in January when people wanted a midfielder. I mean, I actually yeah. wanted another forward in January, so I was fine with that. At the time, we had no forwards; they were all out injured, apart from mm-hmm. Mo. Um, but yeah, you know, we should we we lost Sadio. Uh, we'd brought in Diaz already, but we still needed that extra forward. Uh, we brought him in. We had high hopes. He's shown flashes, but not not really enough recently. But again, you know, they just need to work it out. So, yeah. Dave, do you think he's got the like? He's got the skill set, hasn't he? But do you think he he, he might he may not have, or he may have the actual football intelligence to play That's for a, question, a top team because obviously we've just been going on about Gakpo who's clearly got it you yeah. can see that but with Darwin is it more like obviously you see you see like forwards for like, like mid-table teams who look good like I, I, you know, look at Ivan Tony today he's you, you know he's, he's classed that back here was yeah. ridiculous it's like but I could you know, ever see Darwin pulling something like that off you, you know just seeing the bigger picture of the game and you know um just having that overall intelligence um to play for one of the top top teams in the country kind of thing um that's the question know. mark that i would have I, I i do think that's fair you know we that's what we've got to see we know he's got all the physical tools but mm. is he is he going to be sharp enough upstairs but again, I also think part of that comes down to, you know, maybe we're asking him to do things that he's not comfortable with and we've got to just figure out the right balance between playing to his strengths and him adapting to what we want to do. Uh, yep. it, and it might just take longer than everybody thought. Uh, I mean, you know, I know it's a long, long time ago, a totally different era, but when we signed Stan Collymore in 1995 and, like, he struggled early on, I always remember him doing an interview with, like, uh, what was it, 442 or something at the time and he was having a go. Yeah. Saying you know you know the clubs paid like a record transfer for me. Um, you know, it was a British record at the time, and you've not got like the a clue to get the best out of me. Um, obviously, Collymore tailored his game, didn't he? Because you know, as well as being a like supremely talented footballer, you, you know, he's very intelligent football, and he he sort of become the sort of the second string to Robbie, didn't he, kind of thing? Yeah. The provider. Yeah, whereas at Forrest, he was the main man. He was patient power like Darwin is. Um, you know, but he was the go-to man in the Forrest team and stuff. But he, Collymore, sort of tailored his games, didn't he? I know it's a totally different like time and different era than that, but it's, you know, as Darwin got that capability to 
fit into how Klopp wants the team to play, um, you know, which is what it's about at the end of the day. You know, we've signed players, like Mo, you know, Sadio, going back to him. You know, they've been part of that front three which served us so well for, you know, so many years. Um, you know, so it'll be interesting to see if Darwin has got that capability. Well, one of the things that is you, you couldn't, you couldn't, like, say, when we were playing at our best and you had, like, the, the front three, you couldn't take Bobby out, put Darwin in, and expect him to play in that team. No, mm. he, that's he's never going to be able to do that. But that's presumably like we knew that when we bought him, because you would go out and buy somebody who can do that if that's how you want to play. If you want to play differently and you're looking for somebody with a different skill set and different attributes, that's all I can assume that that's what they were thinking. They wanted to do something different. They wanted to play a slightly different style and have a different type of number nine. And they brought him in, and then they've gone away from that plan now, and then you bring in Gakpo, and you're saying, yeah, we're going to go back to what we did. You do what Bobby did. And then where does that leave Darwin? So I do think that Gakpo and Darwin can play together, though. I think like it's a, it's a really nice match. Um, but then you're leaving out a midfield player to do that. So, again, they've just got to figure it out. It's it's up to them to, to work out what's the best way of doing it. And it might not be every game. You know, it might just be like certain games, okay, yeah, we can play the four of them. Um, this week, no, we need the extra midfield player. We'll play a front three. So, I think it's just a case of it's going to take time on the training ground. And they just need to figure out what what's the, the best way to use them. Right. And... You know, let's let's be real as well. This is the first time since we signed Gakpo that we've had those five available for the last couple of weeks. Uh, obviously, Bobby's out now, so we don't have the full complement. But there's going to be probably long stretches of next season where one or two of those forwards are missing. So they're all going to get yeah. good game time if, if they can. It's not always going to be a case of having to figure out how to get them all on the field at the same time, or at least four on the field and one on the bench. You know, there are... There, he is he is going to get lots of chances and obviously we're going to give him the benefit of the doubt with the with the preseason coming up hopefully he can get his english up to scratch hopefully he can get his understanding of the, the counter press up to scratch and he will have that explosive season next year that that we all hope um, happens because i think we all recognize the fact that if it does all click into gear for him then it's it's going to be a sight to see um but this, in terms of the second half, uh, I didn't really make that many notes because it was kind of a, a little bit of a non-event, really. We um, Trent forced a really good save from the goalkeeper with the, the pile driver. Um, Gakpo had the one that Jota smashed across the goal, kind of just hit him on the legs yeah. and <laughs> really uh, bounced unlucky. away. It was unlucky because yeah. there was nothing else he could do with that, mm-hmm. really. And then there was a, you know, Gakpo could have done better with that chance um, at the end of the half volley after... The, the poor header back that he took on his chest and I don't think he really had a look up and saw where the goal was and, and volleyed it wide but the the last sort of 15-20 minutes really we brought on Hendo, we brought on um, Milner as well to shore things up a bit Robbo t- it looked like he took a little bit of a knock on the hip or the thigh so um, Costas came on but you're just awaiting this onslaught from Brighton with the set pieces and everything they've got a super record late in games of turn, of scoring late goals and they've scored five goals in stoppage time this season as well. Um, so, John, I thought we handled everything they threw at us really, really comfortably, especially in terms of the, the set pieces. Yeah, I, uh, Dave said to me, it might have been maybe 15 minutes left there, uh, you, you know, 
Brentford scoring. Uh, I understand why he said it at the time. You know, Brentford were having more of the ball at that point. So he weren't directly causing any major problems, but all it takes was like one a uh, thing like Trent got caught under the ball for one, didn't he? Uh, it was like a crossfield pass, mm. and um, you know that could have created a problem. Um, but yeah, generally as Dave said earlier, the defenders stood up well to it. Um, you know they were Dave's like men of the matches. That's like Ibu and uh, Virgil. Um, I'd give it to Curtis. Thought Curtis was really good, really industrious. Mm. Um, you know he's I'm happy for him that he's you know he's had a good run in the team. Um, but I thought we over over like seen it out pretty well. Um, you know no major issues and you know it was a well earned three points. Not that they that we were great, but. Um, considering how they played in the first half when, as I say, it was just like you know, it was like they were in the bottom three, just trying to eat a nil-nil or something like that, rather than you know, mid-table team and nothing to play for you thought it would have made it more of a like spectacle, if you like, from that perspective, with no pressure on them um, so yeah, I was just really happy with the with the end result and I'd say totally deserved Dave, I mentioned this before he, to you just before we came on air, but in his post-match comments, Jürgen said this was the best defensive set-piece session I've ever seen in my life against the best and most creative set-piece team I've ever played against. Um, considering our, our struggles against Forest in that area where we kind of got out-muscled a little bit at, at times, it was yeah. really good to see us, us correct that course today. Yeah, the long throws as well. That caused us problems with Forest, mm-hmm. but um, we dealt with them really well. But literally everything that Brentford do is like pre-planned, practiced, drilled. There's like nothing really off the cuff. Like, you know, because John was saying like at one point in the first half, it was after Virgil had been booked and John said, you know, I'm surprised Tony's staying over the other side of the pitch when like Virgil's on a yellow card, he could come over here. And I was like, yeah, but John, he, the rest of the team know exactly where Ivan Tony is going to be standing in any situation. And there's a couple of times the ball goes back to the goalkeeper and he's not even looked and he's just pinged the ball out to exactly where Tony was stood. So it's like everything they do is like so well drilled and regimented. And with the set pieces, they are really creative. They do mad things like on like free kicks. There was a free kick that they had and a lad on the left just went forward about and he stood about 20 yards offside and then two players in the middle went and stood miles offside because we have like a high line on the free kicks and they just sent players forward into like massively offside positions and then they played it diagonally over to the other side for like a centre-back who's onside who then runs in and heads it back across to where they've got players who, who were offside when it was taken, but they just stayed still. And then everyone comes back and suddenly they're onside. So they do all like stuff like that. That's awkward to, you know, it causes confusion. And if, you, if you've not done your homework, you know, you could be looking at that going, he's offside, we're fine here. And then someone makes a run from deep and suddenly, you, you know, you're in trouble. And with the throw-ins, like, I noticed what they were doing on like every single throw-in was... The guy would get the ball and he'd, he'd be looking as though he was going to take a short throw. A couple of people would come towards him and then he'd go, no, 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 I'm throwing it long. And then they'd go in the box and they'd throw it long. And he knew from like the seconds he picked the ball up, he was taking a long throw in. But they still went through like the same routine every time of pretending to go short to bring some of our players out. And then they go into the box. So like they have a lot of success from doing stuff like that. And we must have done our homework on it because every long throw that they had, it was like, you know, they, they were, he was getting some distance on them. He was throwing them right to the near post. 
But then we had like three or four of our big players congregated in that area, and I think we won every single header from those long throws. We mm-hmm. we defended them brilliantly, really did. It was like pretty much faultless on, on set pieces. But they are so good at set pieces. And so, yeah, what Klopp said there, I completely understand why he would say that, because it probably was. They must have known, like, from analysing Brentford, they're like, shit, you know, that's so dangerous. They caused us problems, like, at their place, remember? Like, they, I think they had two goals disallowed in the first half from set pieces. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. they scored two from set pieces yeah, as did. well. Yeah, so they caused absolute havoc. So we've obviously worked on that and nullified it completely today. So that is, like, a, a really a, a big positive from today, was the way we, we dealt with all of that. Because it's so difficult to deal with, and we've done it like brilliantly. Yeah, I mean, a one-nil win at Anfield uh, against a mid-table side—that's two in the space of a, a week, John, and six wins in a row now. But I, I don't think those clean sheets should be sniffed at. It was a hundred for Allison now for stars, which is an incredible milestone for him personally. Um, but in the other four wins, we conceded one, two, one, and three, so seven goals in those four wins, and then two in the previous draw against Arsenal as well. So it is good to see us keeping teams out again because that's been a problem for us all season. Like we've we've really, really struggled. We've we conceded so many goals in unnecessary fashion. It's just nice to see us tighten the ship a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. As Dave said earlier, we've been really easy to play against this season, but teams, it looks like, are having to work hard for the chances again now. Uh, or any chances that that they've that they may create. So um, yeah, two clean sheets in a week. Um, y- you know, it's positive steps, isn't it? Um, six wins on the spin. Um, again, you know, it's probably may have just come a bit too little, too late for top four. We'll have to wait and see. But um, yeah, you know, clean sheets. Are, you know, they just bring confidence throughout the rest of the you know the, the squad. Then don't they? the rest of the team. Sorry. So. Uh, yeah, really like positive signs. Even though we're not still not playing like great football, I mean, even all the, mm. the the home games, like you know, they've been a bit of a struggle. Um, even Fulham on Wednesday night wasn't like a cakewalk as such. Um, but yeah, you've, you've got to start somewhere, haven't you? So, uh, um, just gives us something to build on, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, definitely, John. I think a lot of us accepted that the Champions League places might have been out of our reach a few weeks ago. I think the, the, the Bournemouth game sort of paid to that. But in response to that, a lot of us wanted to see something just to give us a little bit of hope going into the summer. Just the sense that this glorious era isn't finished and we can go again. And hopefully like we can, we can polish off these last three games. Uh, no reason why we can't finish the season strongly and at least then go into the summer, get some fresh faces in and have us feeling good again going into next season. I think that's really important to have the good feeling around the place as we kick, as we kick off again in August. Did you see the video that the uh, the club put out afterwards with the players going back into the dressing room afterwards? No. Um, and like Pep Linders is standing in like the, the doorway to the dressing room and he's like high-fiving them all and he's just saying another one, another one. You know, because like we're racking up the wins now, and like I think as fans, you know, I think we look at it totally differently to the players. Like that game the other night, the Fulham game, I took nothing from that. It's like yeah, fine, we got the three points, good, but I'm not really taking anything from it. I feel better about today's game than the Fulham game. I do think there's like there's, there's things that we can look at there today. I go yeah, you know that's good. The way we dealt with the, all like the aerial stuff, the bombardment from the set pieces, you can take something from that and see like that's encouraging. But they just see like. 
we don't we, we it's like well we'd be full on our own big deal and let's move on and you don't think about it as players and like and the, the staff and that they don't see it like that they see it as like winning games in the premier league is hard and we've just won a game and we feel good about it so you could just see like that you know when they're coming back in the dressing room they were like really happy that they'd won that game today whereas we just mm-hmm. walk out and go yeah it was all right wasn't it so Spoiled I think, them, aren't we? yeah, it's different, but like I do feel like that builds. You know, you said about them building the confidence. That it does, it really does. They probably feel so much better about themselves now than they did like four, five, six weeks ago. Mm-hmm. You know, so and it does feel like they are getting something back. You know, they're getting a bit of the identity back, the, the counter pressing, just like the, you know, the the hard work that we're putting in, being a bit more horrible to play against with like just the, yeah. the intensity that's that's back now now the great football is only there in little flashes it's not sustainable over 90 minutes we're not we're not like anywhere near our best but there's we're like doing a, a reasonable imitation of ourselves now whereas in the early yeah. part of the season it didn't even look like us i don't know what it was half the time so i do think like that they are building the confidence and just getting like a a little bit more belief in what they're doing again and, and enjoyment, you know, they must be like and, and some of that comes down to just that little change, putting Trent in midfield and shaking things up a bit it's not like yeah. we've massively changed everything that we do, but there's enough of a change there that gets people like it, it, it freshens things up a bit and gets them interested again, think oh, okay I need to concentrate because this is a bit different you know, and, and I think that's definitely helped one person who I don't think it's helped is Robbo, I feel like Robbo's had his balls cut off it's, he's just not really able to do what he's always done. He's having to like hold back and stay in like the defensive three while Trent's off just doing his own thing. And I do feel a little bit sorry for Robbo because he's just not able to do the things that have made him so great. Sure. Um, so, but like, hopefully, you know, we'll we'll figure out a way where we can still get him forwards. But I think that just comes down to dominating games again. Once we're yeah. actually dominating games. You can afford to send like extra players forward, but mm-hmm. at the moment, while we're still like figuring it out with with this Trent in midfield, which I think is working really, really well, because I thought Trent was really good again today. He just looks like so at home in what he's doing at the moment. He just and he's also like still spending a fair bit of time at right back. It's not like he's just in midfield all the time. When when we we lose the ball and we're having to defend, he's at right back. But when we've got it. He's in the middle and he's getting on the ball and he's popping up all over the place. And he's really like, you know, he's really creative, you know, just like little passes in and around the box and making space for himself. And it's only a matter sure. of time before some of these shots start going in as well because he's got yeah, a good shot yeah, on him. Yeah. If he gets enough opportunity, he's shooting from like 20, 25 yards, they're going to start going in. So I'm, I'm really pleased with what we're seeing there from Trent's position. I, I do like it. Now, the worry you've got is if Canate's not playing, is it sustainable to keep doing that or are we going to get caught on counter-attacks? But that's something for them to work out in the summer, like sure. signing another centre-back or whether we sign another right-back. To, to I don't know. To, I'm sure they'll have something in mind. But Trent, where he is at the moment, it's a massive positive. It does seem as well like that is going to be the plan moving forward because there was a little tell from Jürgen. He was asked about it by Jamie Redknapp after the game. Uh, Redknapp says, is that going to be like something you, you move forward with now? And, and Klopp said, I think so. Whether it will be long-term will depend on the new players we bring in. It suits him extremely well. Um, but we have to adapt to the formation. He cannot be everywhere at once. And when we lose the ball, someone has to cover the space behind him. But it does seem to me that that is going to be the plan 
moving yeah. forward, he is going to be he is going to be taking up that position more often than not. And I said this to you the other week, and you kind of poo pooed it, but I think it might have played it might play into the fact that we've we've pivoted our transfer strategy a little bit because you know th- those opportunities will be would perhaps be limited if we sign someone of a similar stature with similar athleticism and and similar attributes. Um, not saying that the same player is Bellingham by any point, but I do think it may have factored into the fact that we've uncovered this uh, a player who could maybe do a lot of a lot of the same things for us. Um, just going back to what you said about the confidence of the players with the six wins in a row, even though we're sort of not really challenging for any big prizes this year, it, it kind of reminds me of like the NFL where you see the dressing room videos afterwards. You have a team who's like three and ten or whatever, and they get a late season win. And, you know, they're giving out the game balls in the locker room. There's a big celebration and stuff. Because, like you say, it's hard winning these games against these teams who are... It's like they're not bums anymore. They're established Premier League teams with a good plan, a good yeah. manager, a good squad. And, you know, they're, they're not just turning up to be bummed, right? Like, and it's sort of... it's. I think you're right. It is indicative of the fact that, like, they've worked hard all week on this plan. And it's come together. And yeah. they're rightly pleased with it. So... Good stuff. It is. It means it, it means something different to them than it does to fans. Like we just mm-hmm. walk away from that. Go, yeah, we just beat Brentford one 0 Big deal. To them, it means a lot more because, as you say, it's what they've worked towards. You know, they know how tough that game was and how they've had to battle to dig it out. So it, they'll be really happy with that. They they won't be thinking, mm-hmm. oh, we didn't win three, four, five nil. That was a bit crap. That's just not how they'll look at it. They know how tough it is playing against Brentford and. They've dealt with what Brentford thrown at them. We've won the game. We kept the run going. So yeah, it means a lot more to the players than it does to the fans. I think. Yeah, John, I'm g- I'm going to ask you this because um, I'm not sure how Dave's going to be feeling. Say if Manchester United lose at West Ham tomorrow, and then they play again. I think it's against Wolves before. Let me just check. Yeah, they play yeah, they against do. Wolves I'll, on the Saturday. Check this before, yeah. Right, and you know what I'm going to say, don't you? I know. <laughs> you, the... You're going to say about the Leicester game, aren't you? Right, uh, John. Do you reckon? Do you reckon Dave's going to have split loyalties if we can catapult into fourth place if we win that game? Uh yeah. The only loyalty that Dave will have is that Leicester beat us. I think. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's one of those with the if that if that did happen, it's like you know the way I see it with the Everton situation. It's a once in a lifetime opportunity. You know, uh, but it's one. It's it might not be though. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, we were in the saying last that every year. year well. I know. Well, this, this is it. But I said, I said to you like earlier, Dave. Why is it? You know, if, if Everton's situation goes to the last game of the season, why is it they always seem to be at home going into the last game? Um, you know, we had at Wimbledon '94, Coventry in '98, oh, um, and Bournemouth. You know, teams who've had nothing to play for, and teams whose goalies haven't there. It, uh, dived over the ball and watched it trickle in the net in 1994 but um, moving on from that I mean yeah it's <laughs> I honestly don't know I mean you, you know that's the way I'd look at it I mean you know the Premier League without Everton um, you know one year out of the top four it's like <laughs> it's a tough one isn't it I, just, <laughs> I honestly don't know it's uh, I, I just don't know how, how I was react to be honest with you me personally it's sort of you know, just that feeling of watching Everton go down is like, you know, it just seems too good to be true. It's like, you know, you've got to snap these opportunities when you come. Oh, I've, you come. I thought about this today, and what it comes down to is like, Leicester just need to be Fulham tomorrow. 
Yeah. Hmm. Leicester beat Fulham, and then we can twat Leicester everywhere, and I'll have a clear conscience over it. <laughs> <laughs> if Leicester, but then I'm also thinking, you know what? If it, Leicester were fucking shit the other night against Everton, and if they don't beat Fulham as well, well then I feel like you know what? We should go there and absolutely fucking pound them everywhere because they deserve mm-hmm. to go down. And then I'm just putting all my eggs in the big sand basket. <laughs> And Big Sam will eat all them eggs as well. <laughs> and the gravy, he'll, he'll, he'll drink the gravy as well, won't he? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Um, the, the worst case scenario, of course, is that Leeds and Forest just keep losing. Leicester beat us and Everton still manage to stay up. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, but. No, I, um, want us to, I want us to absolutely tonk Leicester. Okay. I, are you not if, like if Jamie Vardy scores a last minute winner against? Are you not going to be joining in to him when he does the calm down celebration of uh, away no, fans? No, J- Jamie Vardy's always been respectful to us. He wouldn't do that. Um, yeah, all right. I, I'm a massive Jamie Vardy fan. Love him. Yeah, he's great. He probably he's probably even more on our side as well now because Colin Colleen Rooney has kind of robbed him of his playing fortune thanks to his uh, yeah. thanks to his dumbass wife. So his missus is um, a Liverpool fan as well, you know. <laughs> That makes, it, that makes it even worse. I'm pretty oh sure she God. is. I remember she was tweeting about wanting us to win the title when um, when we were up in City the first time. Um, but yeah, she's not much of a Liverpool fan when she's like selling stories to the Sun and that like. But no, no. But no, I can't. I can't hold that against Jamie Vardy. That is what his missus does. I'm not going to blame him for that. I, I just love watching him. He's a great player. Reminds me of Ian Rush. It's the closest thing to Ian Rush that I've seen, just style wise. No, Other I, than I, yourself? No, I was never. I was more of a Dalgleish than a Rush. I was kind of like oh, uh, oh. John would just say, like probably <laughs> that even made John <laughs> probably like uh, a, a hybrid, like half Dalgleish, half Rush. <laughs> no, I, probably, no. I used to no, call but... myself Kenny Dalgush in school. I don't think you'd have ever had Rushy's pace or work right, Dave. Not no. that you'd ever need, is it? No. Or finishing ability. Fair. Or defending from oh, the front. Oh, hang on. Don't talk about finishing ability. <laughs> All right. <laughs> but no, I want us to beat Leicester. I'm putting that out there now. There's there's no conflict at the moment. Okay. Um, but I'm hoping that Leicester beat Fulham tomorrow and then it's totally moot anyway. Yeah. I'm hoping yeah, there's some conflict point. about the fact that you called yourself Kenny Dalgush in school. Like... <laughs> No, Listen, I could have said like, other people like, called me. At least I'm admitting it was me. I I dubbed right, myself okay. Kenny Dalgosh. Yeah, you, like, you know, when you're a kid, you're a back garden, and you're playing, and you're like commentating on your own goals, and you're like, oh, Dalgosh, that's a magnificent strike. It would depend on the strike because I, I also had Ian Osh. Okay. So it would depend on what type of goal it was, whether I was Ian or Sean Kenny Dalgosh. That's that that rules, though, that one does. That's brilliant. Okay, I'll let you off just for that. Um, Everton-Brighton on Monday, though, you're right. Monday's quite a big game because all of the teams down at the bottom are involved, like Leicester are playing and and I think Forest play... I thought it was tomorrow. Southampton, did they, I think? Yeah, Forest, Southampton. No, they're all on Monday, all three. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, oh, I know how I'm spending my Monday then. <laughs> what what time? Kick yeah, off it's quite good actually. Chris, sorry, the old, they're all day. So uh, three p.m. is Fulham, Fulham and Leicester. Um, Five thirty p.m. is Brighton Everton, and then at eight p.m. it's Forest Southampton. So Dave's bank holiday. Not that the bank holiday would have affected you watching the football or not, uh, but yeah, that's going to be a fun day. 
I don't get bank holidays. I'm working, aren't I? It's footy, so it's a, it's a day yeah. of work for me. Okay. Well, right. it is because I've got to write about those games on Thursday for the roundup, so it's work. So basically, that counts as 10.30, match of the day comes on, and you watch match of the day. Um, no, I'm going to watch the full matches. Well, I might okay, not watch all three fair. matches, but I'm definitely watching the Everton game, and mm-hmm. I really want to watch the Forest game. All right. Fair enough. I'll probably enough. skip the Leicester game now. Do I, don't, still think, I just don't trust Leicester after the other night. They were shit. Can't defend. Do you still think after the um, after those games are over, Everton will still be in the bottom three? Yes, because I think Brighton will beat them. Okay. Fairly John? comfortably. Uh, what a well, Brighton have been superb all yeah. season. I've seen them the second half against United the other night, and they were just outstanding. Um, so yeah, I think Brighton should win comfortably, but it's one of those where you know they could miss a half full of chances, and uh, you know Everton could get a sucker punch. You no, know, from got a the prolific Danny Welbeck up front. <laughs> Danny and his six <laughs> goals. Danny's is it? Crap. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, I th- if Forest beats Southampton and Everton lose, that's a four-point gap with three games left, isn't it? And mm. hopefully that'll be uh, you know insurmountable with Everton playing City the week after as well um, so yeah it's uh, yeah Monday is absolutely pivotal isn't it it's massive mm-hmm. yeah and you, you perhaps think now that Southampton might go into that game thinking that a little bit sapped of the, of the chance that they, they might have had to stay up so that could be a you know that could be one where where are they there like six points if, for, if Brighton beat Everton then Forrest yeah if Brighton were to beat Everton then Forrest didn't beat Southampton I'll be absolutely disgusted uh, you know mm-hmm. it's, there's just no excuses for that for, yeah, for Forrest if they don't beat Southampton because they'll know yeah. the Everton score at that point and you'll know well I know they've got to win anyway but um, you know if, they, if they're given the gift of a Brighton win then there's absolutely no excuses for them not to uh, yeah. yeah the City ground should be bouncing shouldn't it mm. if Everton get mm-hmm. beat yeah yeah I mean, speak, we, we mentioned Brighton, and I don't think we should probably end this podcast without um, talking about James Milner. It seems that, that Millie is going to sign for Brighton, probably on, on like a one-year deal. Um, Klopp pretty much confirmed it without confirming it in the press conference yesterday. Yeah. Um, he came on today for the last 10 minutes. It didn't feel like the ovation he got when he came on was that sort of significant in terms of the recognition of that, uh, of that news. John... Do you think we should have sort of moved heaven and earth to get him to stay another year, or do you think it's kind of the right move now, considering we're we are in a period of renewal and we are trying to get a little younger, and and we have to give respect to Milner's desire to still still play the game in what could be his last season in top flight. Yeah, I mean, I like the fact that he's going to Brighton rather than like some relegation fodder. Um, you, mm. you know. Because at least Brighton, you know, the well-established, you know, lovely style of football, um, and he'll add so much, to, you know, to what they're trying to do with his experience. Because they've got like 18, 19, 20, 21-year-old players all over the place. So just that, just that professionalism that he, you know, the the um, example he sets. Um, you know, I'd love him to stay. Uh, you know, I think Paul's touched on it in the past, like a player-coach role. Um, you know that. That would have been the ideal scenario, but 
Well, Milner being as he is, you know, he's, he could still do play a lot of games for Brighton. You know, he's not going to be sort of in a, in a dog fight with them or anything like that. So I think it's a really good move for him. Um, you, you know, it's a shame what's happened with Lallana a couple of years back. You know, he's never fit because he's like tailor made for Brighton, isn't he? The type of player he is. He's isn't great that? when he plays. Yeah, he is absolute quality when he plays. Um, you know, so yeah, I'm really happy for Milner, even though very sad that um, you know it's coming to he's coming to the end of his days here. But um, you know, wish him all the luck in the world. He's been an absolute phenomenal player for us. Um, you know, a lot of people don't like to say that. You know, all these like sort of hipsters and all that. Um, you know, going on about you know the Brexit midfield and all that kinds of stuff, but. I don't think he's been like a large part of what we've done over so long, and uh, you know it is really sad to see him going. Um, you know he deserves hopefully the the last home game when Bobby goes, it'll be Bobby's swan song as well at Anfield. Hopefully they'll both yeah. get the uh, recognition Nabby. they deserve. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, yeah. yeah after. It could be oh. a few of them as well, couldn't it? You know, it could be yeah. Joel as well. It's like that that team that won us the European Cup and the Premier League and it's really sort of that era is coming to an end and that's sad in itself because I think most of us would say that that's our favourite the, the Liverpool team we've ever seen the one we've loved the most and certainly for me anyway Yeah. and it is coming to an end now and that's obviously the natural way of things there's no getting away from it Father Time is undefeated and everything even though James Milner has more wins against Father Time than pretty much yeah. any footballer who's mm. ever lived but you know it, it has to happen at some point um, Dave we I pose the same question to you as it did to John. Like, would you have liked to have seen us do more to sort of get him to stay and move into more of a coaching role, or do you think he can go away and play, and then hopefully we bring him back? I'm at really the on, opportunity? I, I just, I'm on the fence with this one, you know, like because I see both sides of it, and I'm not like worked up about the fact that he's leaving. I'm sad to see him go, but I'm not like saying, oh, you know, we should have moved heaven and earth to keep him. I don't know what we did, what we offered him. Um, it is a little bit surprising that if he goes to to Brighton and it's been spoken about like a possible player coach role, I do you think well would we not have offered him that? Did we not want to get him on the coaching staff? If he's going just as a player, and maybe like he's getting he's going to play more games than than he would here, I sort of understand that because he's maybe got like the uh, appearance record in mind. The Premier League thing, I don't know how far behind Gareth Barry he is, but like he maybe he's got that in the sights. Um, but I, I don't know. I don't know what whether we offered him anything. I know Klopp said he wanted them to stay, but I don't know if we actually made him an offer. That's not really been reported mm-hmm. like one way or another. So, yeah, uh, I, I'm sad to see him go. I'm not particularly angry that that we've allowed it to happen. I think maybe it's just it's just the right time. Um, if he'd have stayed, yeah, I'd have been fine with that as well. I just think he's been like a, a brilliant player for us, very underrated. Um, just great pro, great lad. Everyone loves him, and yeah, he'll be missed. But maybe he comes mm-hmm. back once he once he stops playing. Maybe like he comes back yeah. on the coaching staff. I wouldn't rule that out at all. Maybe perhaps even manager one day. Mm-hmm. Are you said uh, about like, um, players who who might be, you know, leaving? And you mentioned Joel. The thing with yeah. that one, it it's one of those where like it might be his last game, but we don't know that it's his last game, so sure. he won't get a send off. Yeah, and I mean, we had that with didn't we have that with Genie? You know, like because no, he, 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 he got the presentation. Genie got the, uh, yeah, he, he, I know Divock got a presentation. Did Genie get one? He yeah, he did. did. He got yeah. the guard of yeah. honor and everything. Guard there there was one. There was definitely one where like 
we thought a player was probably leaving, but we didn't know for certain. Well, and it was Sadio last year as well. Was it? That was mentioned. I remember yeah. Alonso, wasn't it? Alonso was one, wasn't he going back? Yeah, it's tricky when you just you don't know. You think they're going, but you don't know, so you can't give them a, a farewell when it's not like it's mm. not confirmed, it's not definite. So I think that would be the case with with, with Matter. But I mean, and people were talking about Thiago, and I know he's injured. You know, talking about the possibility of selling Thiago and. When Klopp was asked about like Thiago's injury, and they were like, "So, why has he had the operation now? Is is that to get him ready for pre-season?" And Klopp was like, "Yep, yeah, that's the plan. Um, get the operation done, have him back for pre-season." I was like, "Oh, okay." So, probably not mm. in the thoughts that they're moving Thiago on. It's like he's just going to see out his final year. Um, maybe the same thing happens with Joel. Yeah, we'll see. I suppose. I suppose it depends what kind of offer comes in. Yeah, but Nat Phillips is going to go. So you know the. That's another um, homegrown player that that's gonna need replacing. Mm. I think Henderson will like uh, morph into what Milner's been over the next like year or two. Then he should um, do. Yeah, Not necessarily the Milner of this year, where he's yeah. like coming on for ten minutes at the end. I don't necessarily think that, but Milner of like maybe two, two or three, three years, years ago. ago I yeah. think yeah. that's Hendo's role. He should not be. Starting every game or even most games, but he's still got a part to play. Yeah. In terms of the appearance records, um, Milner does kind of have a shot at it. Barry has six five three, and I think James today was six one six or six one seven. So, given his like fitness record, if he plays two more years, he should get it perhaps. Mm, even one. How many behind is he? One full yeah, like season, 30, like thirty-four, thirty-five. Yeah, because sub appearances count as well. So yeah, one, yeah. one full season, he could probably do that. He wouldn't do it here, so maybe that's yeah. part of the, the his thinking. I don't know. I just don't think he's that got that happen, kind of though. ego. You know, I don't no, think he'd be like, no. he's not like Harry Kane, is he? Where he'd be looking at stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It would be nice though if, if you know, I would accept him leaving this year to go on and like because that's yeah. a, such an underwhelming footballer to have. Um, yeah. As the record holder for the most appearances, and then you've got like, like you know Ryan Giggs after that, who's a deplorable human being. So <laughs> yeah. move him down to to third as quickly as possible, uh, and yeah, and get like a, a proper bloke at the top. Mm. Um, so yeah, uh, we, I think we've covered a lot of good ground today, guys. Is there anything else you want to add? Considering it's probably a little bit too early to be previewing Leicester because there aren't any ramifications from today's game because no. it's not until a week on Monday night. So, what well, Should we talk about Alexis McAllister? Sure, Seems yeah, go ahead. Strong, strong rumours about that one. Uh, my take on it is really good player. I like him. I think the price being quoted seems high and I'm struggling to get excited over anyone who's not Jude Bellingham at the moment, but I do <laughs> like Alexis McAllister, and apparently he's got a brother called Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> apparently, Is that real? Apparently so, yeah. Oh my god. I'd love him to, like, uh, say in the pits to an opposition player, I'm over here, you big horse's ass, come and get me. <laughs> Just a little tribute to his brother. I'm, I'm yeah. just trying to like double check on it. I'm just trying to Google it now, but apparently um, that is true. If it's not, blame Terry because he posted it in the chat yeah. the other day. Okay, 
That might and be a joke. Terry... No, no, no. McAllister's older brothers, Francis and Kevin, are also professional <laughs> That's footballers. That's amazing. How can yeah. you have Argentinians being called uh, Francis and Kevin? I don't get it. They've got Scottish heritage, I think, haven't they? But oh, right, the Home Alone okay. theme continues because Uncle Frank from Home Alone is a, is a McAllister too. And they have a Francis. Francis, yeah. Kevin McAllister. Wouldn't want to spoil your film, Mr. Cheapskate. (laughs) Well, I definitely hope we sign him now. We'll have a field day with that next year. John, what do you reckon about signing Kevin's brother? Are you up for it? Uh, Yeah, I mean... uh, He's a really good player, what I've seen. I was really impressed with him the other night. Again, what I've seen second half against United. It's only one game. But what I've seen through the season, he's tailor-made for our Brighton play, isn't he? Um, so, yeah, it'd be very interesting sign. I'm just going to throw a little curveball in the Bellingham situation. Now, I'm not doing that, like, doubting his talent uh, or what he is or what he should be in his career at all. But there is a bit of a thing with Dortmund players, isn't he, who come... I think, you know, over to the Premier League, have many of them been untold successes? Like, I'm, I'm not saying he wouldn't be, but, uh, you know, I don't think any of them Gundam have been, like... probably the, the, the big success, isn't he? Yeah, he's I mean, that's... Really a, good, he's but, been quality, yeah. yeah I mean, but... Proper underrated as well. Mm. You know, I think there's been a few, haven't he? I think the Manx have had, obviously, Sancho. He was, like, obviously highly rated, wasn't he, when he was there? Kagawa, I mean, Sahin. So, yeah, so God, I mean, I'm not saying Bellingham so wouldn't be slow, amazing. He just couldn't but move. Who's mm-hmm. this, Sahin? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, you just never know, do you? I mean, people have talked him up as, like, you know, the next great big thing and all that, but you just never know. Obviously, Dortmund, the German league, and coming over here and that. But, you know, Sancho, the numbers Sancho was getting in Germany were off the scale, weren't As a young lad like mm-hmm. Sancho. Uh, Bellingham is, uh, but it's just not quite worked out for him, has it? So, um, you, you know, there's no absolute cast iron guarantee Bellingham would, would be yeah. the be all and end all kinds of things. So, you know, from that Make perspective, it. I've just got it in my head that he wouldn't have been as good as what people think he would have been, should we have signed him. That's why I'm justifying yeah. it that the fact that, we, that we're not signing him. There are loads as well, though, like Pulisic. Hasn't worked out yeah, really. Of course, He's on the yeah, of course, yeah. Mkhitaryan, yeah. who we were linked to for ages, that didn't mm, work out. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you're uh, just looking at the list now. Yeah, there's Thomas Rizicki as well. I guess he kind of worked out for a he little was while. He's decent, yeah. Paul's yeah. gonna be fuming when he is like John talking down his boy. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. thought John when you when you said about like reservations about him, I thought you were going to say about how much football he's played at his age and that he might be burnt out when he's like twenty six, twenty seven. And I do think yeah. that's probably like a, a valid point to some extent. Mm. We don't know like he he might be able to still play when he's like thirty five. We don't know, right. but it is got to be factored in. He has played a lot of football at his age. He's also got that strapping on his knee all the time as well. That's like a bit of a yeah. red flag. But as I said the other night, it's not about Bellingham as such. It's more to do with like they had a plan and then they've just pivoted at the last minute from that plan. And that's that's the thing that's that's like bothered me about it. But don't really want to go over all of that again. Um, I do like McAllister. 
I'm just not sure I'd be wanting to pay like the reported eighty million quid for him. Uh, if you mm-hmm. could get him for sixty, yeah, yeah. He's a very good all rounder. He just does everything well. He's yeah. not like an attacker midfielder or a defensive midfielder. He just does everything. It's just like a really good footballer. He's decent set pieces, great penalty taker as well. Um, and he's only twenty four, even though he looks about thirty five. He's yeah, still he he's still young. That's the thing with Dortmund though as well, with those young players that they have that obviously they, they buy them with the intention of selling building them up and selling them. So they don't give a fuck. Hang on a minute, wait, wait, wait. We need to stop. We've 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 forgotten an ex Dortmund player who's like fucking phenomenal. Gosh, I can't yes. believe we, we just completely overlooked him. He's like scored fifty odd goals. This yeah, Harland. I just thought that went without saying. Oh, John, that's all about all these Dortmund players coming over. He's not really yeah. done it. Yeah, but he's not human, though, is he? He's oh, not yeah. human, so that doesn't count. You know, Patrick Berger, Hot Android, Paddy Berger, oh, Paddy yeah, Carl yeah, Heinz Riedler. Yeah, Riedler was Riedler was a good he was sign. Decent, well. yeah, yeah. But yeah, Paddy Berger. Uh, yeah, I'm on all these like young hotshot players who like uh, you, you know gonna be the next big thing. And these uh, hotshot yeah. mm-hmm. strikers coming over and scoring fucking fifty <laughs> goals, 50 and goals and <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but right. Harlan's like uh, you, you know he's like the T1000, isn't he? Um, mm. yeah. You know, so he's not human, so that doesn't count. in City, obviously, another proper football club. So uh, you, you know. That's it. That doesn't really count. Haaland, as Dave said earlier, I mean, I can't remember one like goal Haaland scored and like all these goals he scared. Not you know, There's like a memorable, memorable goal. Yeah. Anything City do? It's just because mm. none of us watch City. No, either, that, do we? Like, we don't really fucking watch them. So. I have completely stopped watching them altogether. I don't watch them at all. I, f- I fast forward them on match of the day as well. Good for you, Dave. Really, really showing them there. Um, yeah. So. Um, so anything else you guys want to add about today's game, next weekend's game at Leicester, Everton's impending doom, or the transfer strategy for the summer? No, I'm just um, psyching myself up for Monday now. Massive okay, day. Fair enough. Albion, Albion. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'll be singing hey. Mullock and Tyre in that night game as well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, um, yeah, a bit of a gap between our next game now on the 15th another Monday night game against Leicester hopefully they can do the business tomorrow Um, Brian can do the business and Forrest can do the business so we can go into that Leicester game or Dave can go into that Leicester game without any divided loyalties Um, we'll definitely be back after that game Uh, I may be hosting or you might have Ian Dalgush to uh, to do the honours for that one (laughs) (laughs) no Kenny Dalgush and Ian Ush yeah 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 sorry Ian Ush and Kenny Dalgush I also I also went through a phase of calling myself Paul Wush but that one just didn't quite didn't quite catch (laughs) I don't think that one lands as well Mm, no going all all Jonathan Ross on us there by the sounds of it (laughs) but he he was my favourite player though so what did he do that what did you do that upset you? Like there was something more recently, right? Was he oh, like big Brexit? Yeah, yeah, Brexit now, he threw a street party mm. for um, <laughs> Brexit. Yeah, I seen him oh, put man. on Twitter that he was like he was yeah. throwing a party. I was like, oh fucking hell, I've got to unfollow him. Never meet your heroes. Yeah, I actually met him and he was brilliant. I interviewed him. Yeah, and I remember just, that. Yeah, he was, he was great. It couldn't have couldn't have went any better. I thought you know what a sound fella. You know, 
made up like because you're always wary of what if he's a knobhead and he wasn't he was great mm. um, and then like you see that and you're like it's just that south coast air isn't it there's just something <laughs> right. about it that turns them into yeah. cranks you got. Like, I can't wait to see what Peter Shilton's got to say about us as well. By the way, he's blocked me anyway, so I can't see. Yeah. I'm not blocked by him, surprisingly, considering like the shit that I've given him. He's literally the only person on Twitter who I, I will send abuse to. Uh, but yeah. no, I've I've not been I've not been banned by him yet or blocked. Don't you reply to his every tweet with a picture of Maradona right jumping him? I've I've done that like a few times, yeah. Or I'll yeah. just call him like a stupid curly-headed fuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> just like the, um, you know, like the stepbrothers, like insult. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think I, uh, he blocked me because uh, you remember when Diego got the World Cup when he was like on the balcony and he was like, yeah. uh, he was giving the like the V signs and the, the middle <laughs> yeah. finger to people in like the stand below and that. And I oh, think I tweeted him guy. after he said something like about Brexit and I just said hey Shields Diego sends us love from above like with the, <laughs> the, the, like with the fingers looking down and like giving the fingers below and like, he blocked me so yeah. I was like fuck that's so satisfying uh, though to know yeah. that he'd seen it and it absolutely him yeah, enough to yeah. block it like that's a huge win <laughs> nice speaking of Diego congratulations to Napoli on their first title in 33 years we certainly know how that feels and yeah. I guess there's an affinity between the two cities as well so um, good Not for that the fans have ever know that, by the way. No, yeah. it really bothers me that strange, like, yeah. we should be kindred spirits. And it's like, what are you doing attacking us? Like you're basically like the Liverpool of Italy, you know the way like the the rest of Italy treats them. It's like fucking hell, you know why do Napoli fans act like such twat when we play them? Because there should be like a little a bond there between us. And I'm pleased for them that they won it, but it's it's only really because of Maradona. You know, just yeah. like love Maradona so much, like so. Uh, but yeah, I'm glad they won the league, but I just wish the fans didn't act like such fucking pricks when we play them. <laughs> hey, like, they're just kind of the people... That's, I, I get. I respect that in a, little, a little bit. They're just the kind of people that are just, like, pricks to everybody because mm. they're so downtrodden and whatever. But we're getting off track here. Um, I think we've gone long enough for tonight, boys. So uh, a little bit of a gap until Leicester now. Thanks for tuning in today. Hopefully we can make it seven out of seven next week. Finish the, finish the season on a high... But uh, until the 15th, we'll catch you soon. Well, the best word I can say but uh, will describe this was boom. <laughs> 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 Ooh, what was this? It was really good.